0: Do you wait until September when more people are waiting to list and a potential rate hike comes, or are you getting on the market today to see what happens? I'm sitting with the seller. I truly do believe that if you're trying to get it done, it's better now than waiting for that rate hike. It's not going to get better after that. It's going to get worse. But then it's like, how do you finesse that into like, listen, I'm not trying to tell you as a real estate agent, put your property on the market now. This isn't like a pressure thing. Because I think a lot of sellers go into like, hands-up mode, like I'm not going to be sold today. If you tell me to put my property on the market right now, no, I'm not interested. I want to know when the best time is for me. But the truth is right now, now is probably the best time. It's not going to get better.
1: Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Tom Story Show. Now, on this episode, you're just stuck with me and Steve again. We have no guests for this one, but we've got a lot of fun things we want to talk about, and I'm going to kind of hint on a few of them. So is the market slowly picking up right now? Because I've noticed a little bit of shift for my properties that we have on the market right now. i love Steve's take on that. We're going to go over a few fun headlines that are out there right now and discuss what is going on. And then the biggest portion of this podcast. Now, uh, no one knows exactly what's going to happen in the future here, but both Steve and myself put out videos at the end of last year. And you know what they were called, Steve? (laughs) They're called 2022 real estate
1: predictions. They were called Tom and Steve are going to look super stupid in less than a year. So we're going to have some fun.
0: I actually maybe on this episode, we'll just cover how wrong I was on mine. And we can chat about yours on another one. or We can bring it up as well. I've got kind of all the main things I talked about in my video. Um, and you know what I was looking, it's not as bad as I thought I was right on a few. I'm think I'm maybe 50 50, but it just shows you like, no one knows what the heck's going to happen. And I will say that I preface every video I put out like that, that says like, this is not a guarantee. This is my best guess. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, but they're fun videos to put out and and frankly headline wise and thumbnail wise are some of my best performing videos each and every year and probably some of my favorite videos to do as well would you would you say the same
1: oh i think they're super fun and uh we probably got a little cocky because previous years i was doing fantastic i was like four out of five for like i think i've done them three years in a row and i was like four out of five and then this year, I actually did watch mine because somebody uh, commented on my channel just like, just ripping me apart, you idiot, <laughs> and all this stuff. And I was like, first of all, predictions. I don't know how well your crystal ball works, but mine right. kind of sucks. And um, yeah, funny. it was, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Definitely getting destroyed. But isn't it like always, I think it's Nolan Matthias that says it most often. It's like, dude, something's going to happen that we don't know what's going to happen. Yep. And that has been what has happened, right? Nobody, everybody thought like uh, China's probably doing just fine. So they seem to have avoided COVID. And then it turns out, oh, crap, lockdowns. And then, you know, uh, unrest in, in the Ukraine, if we're going to call it that. And then it's just like, oh, the world changes. Food gets more expensive. Oil gets more expensive, right? The cost of wheat, all of those things. And then it's like, uh-oh. It's not just, I mean, sure, we spent three times more last year than all previous years ever in Canadian politics. But um, is that the real issue? Because I don't think Canada is the issue, right? So I think our predictions are going to look stupid because it's not just Canadian real estate that has changed. If you watch any of the channels right now out of the States or anything, same thing. Everybody's going through the same thing. Yep. Right. Everybody's going through the downturn and it's not just like, Oh, Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, for sure, we're going to see the downside of it. Now it appears because of, uh, the interest rate hikes and that our markets went so hyperbolic. If I even know what that word means, I don't think I do, but everything was so crazy. And now this is the year we look like morons on our prediction videos. You
0: know, here's why I think a few examples why uh, let's take real estate out of this for a sec, because that's what we think about all day long. But there are, in fact, other things that happen in the world, Steve, other than real estate, apparently. And I want to give you two examples. Well, one's kind of real estate, but it's contract side. So I had a client that bought a full reno project end of last year and uh, started working on it, got all the plans, got all the permits, everything was getting quotes that were out outrageous outrageous to do the renovation to the point that he was like uh i'm just not going to do this 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 no longer makes sense based on what i was told originally these quotes i'm getting and these guys aren't even getting back to me and they just think like i'm lucky if they'll even do it for me was getting so crazy he has now started that project okay and the final quote that he got was half the amount of the initial quote at the beginning of this year
2: This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by The Agent Confidential. Tom and I have paired up to build a community, a platform, and a group of resources to help real estate agents have more success in today's market, buy more of their time back, and have more certainty with where their next deal is coming from as the market softens. Tom and I are offering an eight-week fall market bootcamp. Here's what we've seen doing this for several years. We all enjoy our summer, go for drinks on the patio, go to the beach, and then all of a sudden, Labor Day hits us in the face. We get into panic mode, like, oh my gosh, we're back to reality, where's my next deal So we built this eight week fall market bootcamp to help give you a step-by-step framework on what you should be doing every single day in the next peak of activity. We know that there's gonna be five to six weeks of increased activity for the fall market like we see every single year. and We want to give you the tools, resources, and skill sets to be able to have the highest likelihood of success in this year's fall market. If you are interested in learning more, get in contact with Tom and I. If the boot camp is not the right thing for you, that's okay too. We've got a ton of other free content coming out for you guys to make sure that we can help you in whatever capacity we can. So we hope to see you in the boot camp, But if we don't, that's
0: okay. We still hope to see you soon. So the, half, con- so ha- the not contractors
1: now mm-hmm. are asking for half as much as they were six months ago.
0: Different contract, but even the guys that quoted him way higher were like, whoa, 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 we're willing to to change because they're not getting the business they were. They're not getting people lining up at the door. I heard stories of, you know, through the craziness, contractors giving people $10,000 checks to let them out of contracts they're like I got something bigger and better to go to I don't want to deal with with your project and now it finally makes sense and like you know he was quoted a lot of money it came down significantly and now it makes sense for him to do it so that's example number one example number two another thing I'm passionate about that is not real estate is watches people have noticed on my channel they'll sometimes comment because I'll wear different watches and in, in different videos um there's basically not very many watch brands that actually go up in value, but the last two years it's like Rolex AP and Patek Philippe are, are kind of like the, the the big ones um, that everybody knows and they've gone crazy. Some watches have doubled in value. Like they've been really great investments. If you've picked the right ones, the watch market's coming down now. And apparently a lot of the watch market coming down is because a lot of the money that was used to buy watches was earned in crypto which has cut in half as well and there's all these things that are different so it's like not only well, it was interesting actually like do you ever get in on clubhouse when clubhouse was happening that app i tried it once yeah okay so i went on there a bit and actually met a lot of really cool people and i was recognizing i was going in these rooms and it was very american and, and they were talking about real estate and this was like middle last year and Everyone was talking about, holy crap, there's no inventory. It's such a strong seller's market. We've never experienced this before. And like me listening from Tron, I'm like, well, this is just what it is for us, right? But everyone was going through that craziness. And now everyone's going through the same thing in the other direction. So it's not mm-hmm. just real estate. The watch market is plummeting, crypto's plummeting, stock markets took a beating. They're slowly jumping back up now a little bit. Um yeah. I actually looked the
1: other day at my portfolio. It's not as bad as it was, but it's still not not great. <laughs> yeah, I'm about halfway back. I'm about halfway back, but here's the funny thing I'm seeing like when I'm looking at my portfolio every day for and I do every day. Um I look at like the news headlines mm-hmm. and they're like tech bounces back, oil's down, about like I think today was like food, wheat, oil, All that stuff uh, slumping. So helping, you know, uh, whatever inflation, all that stuff. And I'm like, all my slow and steady stocks, man, are slow and steady. Yep. Right. Like, they're still, like, sure, they go up too fast and they come down too fast. But, like, I don't know, man. I'm not really, I'm not getting ready to dump a bunch of money into the next tech stock, man. I'm, I want things that I think are of a real value. Right. So, I don't know. It's, it's been, pretty interesting to watch people uh think that they're crazy savvy good investors all the way around and that has to do too with things like like you're saying like watches right you can't just say hey this this is always going to go up like what was everybody saying oh you know what's not no good uh real estate is not is not a good investment but cryptocurrencies are the real deal and here's my new cryptocurrency being pumped by whatever influencer and this is the next and it's like oh my goodness like guys how about we focus on things that we need right how about we focus on a roof over our head and feeding our families and having a good job and increasing our skills and investing in companies that have been around for a long time and will continue to do nice slow steady growth right that's where we should be I also had a, I had someone call me the other day and he was just looking for
0: advice. Uh, He said I could share this story. I won't say his name obviously, but he bought a new construction condo in February for a high price. And he's like, I just feel like I made a bad decision. I'm like, well, I wish you called me in February. I probably would have told you if you're going to buy something by resale and and here's the mindset and how long you got to hold it for. And here's the rents and everything. And it's not going to close to like 2025, 2026. I think he'll be totally fine and he can afford it. So that's the main thing. But then he also told me, so he's in the plumbing industry, and they do the plumbing for the high-rise buildings in the greater Toronto area. So when the developers are building them up, they, they send in their service. His boss came to all of them and said, listen, guys, we're bidding on 50% less projects than we used to when things were booming. So there's going to be less work. There's maybe going to be less hours. Because some developers are just saying with the slowdown right now and the increased development fees to build things, they're holding off and they're not launching as many. So that tells me two things. One, the world is coming back to reality a little bit in terms of like Mm -hmm. what services do we actually need because we got so used to the last two years. But then it also tells me that we're going to have an inventory issue like we always had because developers are not building at the rate they need to because of all the other factors. And I just thought that was really interesting because I, I never heard it from that perspective of someone on the inside. He's like, yeah, we're bidding on half the amount of projects. Like that's going to play out now. But then in five years as immigration keeps up and people move to markets like yours, like mine, well, there's just not going to be very many properties available. So like we're not, the no. root of the of the entire thing here that a lot of this podcast has been about and we talk about it in our YouTube videos is not being solved Frank it's
1: not no and it's evident that with what rentals are doing right now, like it's evident that there is like here, here here's the thing rentals are skyrocketing because people bowed out of trying to buy in the market right that's why rentals are growing up it's also lagging right because you know investors want you know, to get some sort of return on the high dollar they just paid. But when everybody goes, you know what? I'm not going to buy right now or I can't buy right now because interest rates go up and the market's going down and everything's terrible. And oh, wait, I still want to sleep inside, right? <laughs> right? Like that's what it is. Like, oh, crap. I still got to sleep inside. So I don't know. I think it's, it is it uh, is showing that our that we don't have enough product out there. I know there's some conspiracy theory people out there that think there's just vacant homes absolutely everywhere. I'm telling you that's not the case. I'm no. selling less vacant homes now than at any point in my career, and if they are vacant, they're usually vacant because the person has either passed away or gone into an old folks' home, right? They're they're vacant for legitimate reasons, and they've only been vacant for th- two months, not uh, for what people think, which is you know rich foreigners are just. Buying property and land banking, which right now would look like a pretty stupid thing to do, right? If the, if that was the case, so I don't know, Tom. What are you? What were your predictions? I want to hear these. Stu- I want to hear how You want to get into them already? Okay, wait yeah, before like it,
0: before I want to. I will get into all of them. I have them written down here. Just before that, I um I did a global news morning last week. I got you'd be proud of me. I got up at five a.m drove to the office, set everything up, was ready to go 6.30 on live TV where my brain's like barely working at that point. Anyways, uh, I just thought it was like a full recap of the market. So I just wanted to go over a few of the things because I watched it back because it's always a blur when I do live TV. I'm like, I don't know what I just said. I think it went well. Uh, and, and she was asking a few things. So I just want to touch on a few things and then get your opinion. So right now, and this is obviously general advice because where you're, it depends on where you're listening from. If you're a seller, okay, and you want to sell, do you wait until September when more people are waiting to list and a potential rate hike comes, or are you getting on the market today to see what happens? What would you, what would your
1: answer be to that? And then I'll tell you what my answer was. Um, <laughs> that is the catch twenty two right now because what we're experiencing is not a lot of activity, obviously. Um. So you would naturally say at that point, well, I'm going to wait for the fall market, which is usually the second busiest market of the year. And um, we're going to hopefully, what's, the reason people do that is they, they think there's more of an activity or more activity on the market and we're going to sell for more. And it's not going to get better with the next rate hike and the next rate hike's coming, right? So the longer you wait right now, for sure you're going to sell for less, right? For the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. So you know what the how do you pick is?
1: that? How do you pick that decision? You don't, there's no right decision. I'll tell you what the right decision is in three months. I think you need to get on the market now and you need to be sharp. And unfortunately, sharp pricing is a lot less than uh, what we're probably you, me, or the CMA says, right. The, the market analysis says. Yeah. Cause now, lo- now it doesn't matter what I had previously sold. It matters
0: what's on the market right now. What's your competition, right? Uh, the comparables aren't as relevant in a downwards market as they aren't as relevant in an upwards market when things are changing on a day to day basis. Like it's, it's happening very quickly right now. Super quick. And the problem is too, like, so, and then you come from the, the salesperson side of things. Okay. I'm sitting with the seller. I truly do believe that if you're trying to get it done, it's better now than waiting for that rate hike. It's not going to get better after that. It's going to get worse. But then it's like, how do you finesse that into like, listen, I'm not trying to tell you as a real estate agent, put your property on the market now. This isn't like a pressure thing because I think a lot of sellers go into like hands up mode. Like I'm not going to be sold today. If you tell me to put my property on the market right now, no, I'm not interested. I want to know when the best time is for me. But the truth is right now, now is probably the best time. It's not going to get better this calendar year. Is it not?
1: Uh, I would say most people. So I've got uh, somebody really close to me, very good friend right now that is waiting and loving this because they're doing the upsize, right? Mm, So I guess you have to define what the end goal is. You can't just say, okay, because what is good time? Everyone thinks good time to sell means highest price. So highest price is yesterday and then today and then tomorrow. And that's how it's going right now. So at this point, yeah, if you want highest price for sure. Um, It were too simplified, right? Like all the people trash talking us in our YouTube channels are too simplified thinking finances is the only factor Uh, or highest dollar sorry, is the only factor when financing and finances uh, are a lot more involved. So, yeah, there's those people are going to lap it up here over the next little bit because uh, maybe those upsizers are going to save a hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollars or more even though they're selling for less later so i don't know there's no right answer it's it's what's your particular situation i want to run you
0: through a scenario that's live right now that's happening in my business so we just helped our clients sell their condo and let's say i'm not going to give you real numbers but hypothetically at the peak of the market it was worth eight hundred thousand and and Probably today's market value is like 720000 but we were still able to get a really good price somewhere in the middle there. So we didn't sell for today's price, but obviously we didn't sell for the peak price, but all things considered, very happy with the result. Like low inventory in the building, it was a 10 out of 10, it showed amazingly well, it sold. So now we have a closing date, it's firm. Now the next steps are, okay, they're, they're going to be upsizing but they don't want to upsize to something that's a lateral move because that makes no sense. They want to be there for the next little while. And here's the next steps. like, okay, we're going through the pre-approval process right now based on the sale price of their property to what they can go to next. They could go stay with family short-term in the middle. We don't have Mm -hmm. to line up these closing dates. But do they go by now or do they just wait? Because they can go somewhere in the middle. Is waiting not going to actually benefit them? More and then on top of that, they have a mortgage that can be ported. Uh, and actually, the mortgage workers came back to us and said today he got the news that they can do 120 days between port, not just 90. Wow, which is great! So now there's all these variables. It's like they're looking at me, and I had a conversation with them yesterday like, what's the course of action here? Do you just want to buy the place you're going to be in for the next 10 years, and who cares about the next three months? Are we going to try to time this a little bit? But then we got to port a mortgage. Like there's all these things going on. It's
1: not a simple answer. Roll the dice, right? Right. That's what you're doing. You're rolling the dice. So, um, I mean, here's here's the way I look at it. Because I'm going to refer back to the investing, right? Like I usually take a certain amount after doing the books at the end of every month, and I invest it into the market, and. That was last week for me. So I was sitting there looking at the books and I'm like, okay, you know, the market's just steady downward trend, steady downward trend. I'm like, should I not buy this week? Should I not? Should I really just, because it's going to be worth less. All these stocks are going to be worth less probably in a month from now because inflation, blah, blah, blah. Then I, so I, no, I was like, you know what? You have a plan. Buy, keep buying know what you're buying this month i think this month uh i did a bunch of telecom was my on my schedule for buying and then the u.s inflation report comes out and it's less than expected and thank goodness i bought last week right right now that's obviously a much uh more liquid situation because you can buy and sell out of stocks but to try and time it to go you know what i'm gonna wait till december when does the when does it kick back up i don't know and the question is, uh, here's what I think might happen. I think Daniel Foch kind of uh, alluded to this is like, there's a good chance that they turn early next year rates back down Then the market goes crazy again. Then they go, Oh crap, we shouldn't have done that too early. And then they turn them back up again. And so do you want to buy in the middle of that frenzy? Like, I don't know. I, I just think there's probably a very good opportunity for your people right now if they're sold firm right now to take it easy Yeah, because they can port, so they've probably got what a thirty day, sixty day close, um, sixty days from, from sixty days two weeks ago. So yeah, we got lots of time, and then plus the and port then, after that. Yeah, and then if they can port for a hundred and twenty after that, man, I'd be pretty tempted to see what comes on the market. However, in our market right now, like September, October, but in our market right now, um, inventory is dropping inventory is dropping by as much as I want to say over 5% and usually the inventory drop um, or sorry, usually the market going down is going to be tied to the amount of new listings coming to the market and that's not happening right now. So uh, to make that prediction is probably as stupid as you and me look just a couple months ago. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things they also asked me when I did the news, they said,
0: are we now in a buyer's market? And I said, it sure as heck feels like it, but we're not. Because the the change happened so rapidly. Um, A lot of people think we are going to head towards a buyer's market. And I just don't know. And again, it depends on the market that you're in and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not seeing that many new listings. New listings are up from where they were. But it's rollover listings. And at what point does the standing inventory go, you know what, I can't get my price. I'm off the market, or I'm just going to lease it out. And then we're going to have an inventory issue again. Because it's not new listings that are building inventory. It's the lack of absorption of the sales that's building the inventory. And I don't know if we're going to get to, uh, obviously certain segments of the market are already in buyers markets, but I'm talking generally here. Do you think we actually get to six plus months of inventory across the board? for for the entire like your entire market my market's
1: probably there right now interesting because we're not even close yeah my market's probably there but i think that's because we are the suburban area and we're going to have a higher level of detached homes than you would being in the core our condos are doing quite well still um i think our detached market our detached market is probably like 10 to 14-month supply in a lot of spots right now. So I think that's making the other markets look a lot worse, right?
0: But that 10 to 14 months, is that a one-month-last-month roundup with less numbers to work with? Like it's almost, it's probably not truly,
1: like if you did a three-month rollover of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's a tricky thing that happens there because I am seeing the fact that july 13th man our market shut yeah close for business right so that was such i wish they could do the numbers from that point to now because i just i don't know it's it's a different thing now it's a totally different market and um now i do i think we're over uh compensating i think we are mm Right. I think we are overcompensating, but I do think, like, I think we went from like seller's market in like May to sellers uh, slash balanced. Then I think we went to a balanced in July when I look at the numbers. And then I don't know, like, since then. So you guys are in a buyer's market right now across the board for Surrey and surrounding areas detached, yes. In the detached market. Yeah, yeah, in con like uh, like I'm saying, so condos are still holding really well. Like prices are actually still holding up. We're still seeing one bedroom condos selling um, at basically the exact same price they were at the peak of the market. Mm. Wow, right? Yeah, so wow. that's not that's not that's because everybody's pushed down into that affordable level, right? Yeah. So are the investors bowing out? Yeah, but the one bedroom condos are are still doing well. Two bedroom condos are doing well. Townhouses, larger townhouses, are starting to hurt. Um, but the detached market, man, like I saw stuff that was selling one six to one eight in an area in South Langley at the beginning of the year. And I just saw now. This place was a dump, but I just saw one sell for $9.99. <laughs> now it was a dump. So the other ones were much better. But yeah. but the highest sale in that pocket in the last 30 days was 117. Here's what
0: I'm thinking though.
1: So when you look at
0: like the July numbers in Toronto were very, very bad. Very bad. I actually think August is going to be better. Um, But with the July numbers with all the real estate boards, they're comparing to either the peak because it's the biggest like, oh, my gosh, look what happened. Or they're comparing year over year, which is also equally like not really fair because things were totally different a year ago and it all depends. And then if it's a smaller market and sales are down 50 percent year over year, so you're dealing with way less uh, numbers to run the average numbers off of. If you have less sales, you have less data and that doesn't give you the best representation of what's actually happening over that period of time because you're dealing with less. You're dealing with less volume. So it's like, if a market says it's down 30% year over year, but a year ago, 100 homes sold and and this year in July, 28 homes sold, that's only based on 28. And we're using average prices. So it's like, the benchmark price, which I know you you reference a lot, or I like yeah. median price because it just averages everything out, I disagree I disagree <laughs> eh? so here here's the thing like you can think you explain numbers- to me the benchmark benchmark price like really do you know how they the calculation for that I know it's seasonally based and all that kind of
1: stuff um it's I don't so it's know lagging. the formula it's like nobody knows the formula because that's the cool part about it. The formula is different for every single area and sub area and everything else. Right? Because here's the thing. When you go to East Vancouver and you go, oh, the house average or HPI in East Vancouver is $1.9 million at the, you know, when it was, oh, okay, that's not bad. To Surrey being like, how did Surrey get to 1.8? The HPI has to factor in the fact that in East Vancouver, that's a 30 foot lot probably with a 1960s what they call Vancouver special which is a basement entry two story home uh you know like i said 3000 square foot lot maybe 3300 if you're lucky but the hpi for surrey that's a 6000 square foot lot 4200 mm-hmm. square foot home probably with one or two rentals in it uh like it, it maybe 20 years old at max Right, so the HPI for each area takes into consideration the average home for that area. Right, as opposed to average is just a calculation: divide the total amount of sales by the purchase prices, yep. whatever, however many units sold. Um, and then median is just the middle. Right, so median is what was if a hundred homes sold, what was either number. 50 or 51 or whatever. And that's the median price. So that's why I report on benchmark price. Now, average, the reason average shoots down so quickly in a market like this is because the as money gets, as money gets more expensive, more people will purchase the lower priced properties first. Of course. Right. So that's why, average price plummets so much quicker because the higher end properties are not selling or have reduced the amount of buyers looking for those types of properties.
0: And now when we say higher end, we're probably talking $1.5 million to $2.5 million. But then you go to the next level of like ultra luxury, like crazy $5 million and up. And Nolan just did this in one of his recent videos. And he actually texted me and he's like, What's the deal with C12, which is a neighborhood that we track on our real estate board? He's like, it's the only pocket of Toronto that's up in price since February. Like, what the heck's going on? I was like, oh, C12 is Bridal Path, Hogs Hollow, like like some of the most expensive real estate in North America, like where Drake built his house. They don't care about interest rates. They have generational money or huge wealth, new money, and that's not going to stop their plans.
1: And that's what's probably hurting me being in the burbs right now, mm. right? Not on a, a me being the market, I guess. Um, but that's well, that's what it is because in the burbs here, we have. I mean, let's face it, we're more leveraged, for sure. Yeah, because the people that are in Vancouver have more money. They may not even have mortgages or or whatever. So, and then the investors that come out from like Burnaby and everywhere else they come out to Surrey, they spend more money, they leverage that. They're not buying those properties cash. So it and then we got blue collar people, more blue collar people living in these areas who have mortgages themselves. So we're much more uh I guess the market's more volatile towards interest rates it, the further you get out into the suburbs because those are the properties that are being Leverage. So interest rates go down; those properties skyrocket because Mm. more people can because they're cheap properties and more people can afford them. And then interest rates interest rates go up, and then they come down just as fast. So other than obvious, the obviously
0: upsizers that could look at a a market going down as an opportunity to jump up if they believe in the long term growth of that market over the period of time that they own the property, then it makes sense because then you benefit once you're in the bigger property. If I'm looking at this and being positive and saying, where are the opportunities? Okay. Well, if you've been sitting with your money in your bank account or hiding under your mattress, if you are a cash buyer, like, are you not licking your chops right now? Like, I know not a lot of people are in that specific position, but you got to be looking like... In Toronto, a detached house was $2.1 million in February. It was just over $1.5 million in July. Now, again, average price, less property selling, all that stuff, yada, yada. 25% discount, $500,000 different isn't getting you excited. There's got to be people that are in that positions or even worse, the corporations. A corporations coming in buying our single family homes because they're cash heavy. Like, is that is that an opportunity?
1: Go put on your tinfoil hat. Story. <laughs> That's some U.S. fear based Black Rock Donald Trump whoever's on the other side of that argument junk. I just don't. If you think REITs are coming in here and have any interest in buying our residential detached homes, I just. I don't see it. Maybe I'm a moron, but I invest in REITs and corporations that buy real estate. And let me tell you, man, they they don't want to be involved in, oh, by the way, we haven't announced our uh, rental increase yet for this year, right? Like it's a bad business to be in. It's it, When you can't increase uh, rents because of rent, I mean, in here in BC, we were one and a half percent this year, previous year, locked down completely. Um, they removed, uh, it used to be 2% plus inflation. Then they went, Oh, just inflation. And now, Oh, by the way, that inflation's 8%, by the way, we probably won't do that. So it's bad business to be in, you know, where they want to be commercial real estate.
0: Okay. So let me take my side of it. If you buy a condominium property in Toronto that was registered after November 15th,
1: 2018. There is no rent control. I'm moving to Toronto. No wonder you guys want to buy so many condos there. Well, our no, rent control doesn't matter. Our rent control is everything.
0: Well, our number used to be 1991, then they put in rent control in 2017, then it got changed in 2018. Anyways, but why I bring this up is because if you're listening to this and you are a landlord or a renter, what you need to understand, a lot of renters do not know if they're living in buildings that are under rent control or not in Toronto, because there's a lot of new condos registered after that date that they're going to be in for a really gross, like, look what they're asking for rent now and they're within their right to do it. So we'll see, like, but it's, it's not going to be great. And we're telling you know, we have a rental division on our team. I know you guys don't do leases out there, but uh, we're telling our tenants like, hey, you know, if all things are even, try to rent in a building built before that date. And then we're telling yeah. our investor clients, hey, try to buy in a building built after that date. Like you got to play both sides of the fence here, right? Because you're dealing with both sets of people. Um, but a lot of people but- do not know these very basic things that could totally impact their lifestyle If you're a renter or if you're an
1: investor. Let me be. uh, So we don't have that. The left coast out here is all, you know, uh, protect, protect, protect the tenants. Right. So here's where we're at. I bought an investment property a year and a half ago. Now Uh, I put it up almost as a joke for a laugh at about $250 more than I thought I would get for it. Six applications, rented it out, no problem. And I was like, holy crap, I can't believe it. This place is cash flowing. Or sorry, it's breaking even at 100% financing.
2: Fine.
1: Deal, I'm down. And then it's like, okay, rent freeze. I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting too much anyway, so it's already fine. But this year, I'm sitting here right now. I'm waiting for BC to announce their number that is going to come out, so I can go. Okay, how much can I rent this? Do I do or how much do I increase the rent? Do I do the one and a half percent this year in December, or, or wait, do I wait for next till next year? Gen- I think you January. wait till next
0: year. You wait till next year as an as an investor.
1: Ours is ours was one point two this year. Next year, it's two point five. Just to give NDP, you a heads up, NDP NDP government. Okay. Um, we. So I'm waiting. Uh, it's a gamble for sure because I could see them going. You know what? Uh, it's too cost of living is too much. Uh, by the way, renters no rent increase next year. I could see them doing that. Um, but let's say I'm hoping for two and a half percent. But right now, what is that increase? Twenty one hundred dollars, thirty one dollars a month, or something like that.
0: Steve, and here's here. Yeah, here I'm going to push you here because this will be fun. You have a fixed rate mortgage on that property at a very very low mortgage rate. OK, yes. everything's more expensive for your tenant, even if you could increase the rent. Why are you increasing the rent? Is that going to change your life? Are you not a greedy landlord? Are you the problem?
1: <laughs> I am. I am the problem here. I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm going to increase okay. that rent Because I, um, I have a yeah. renter
0: I haven't increased rent on in four years, even though I could have because they're just a good renter and it's not going to change
1: my life. Yeah, because you're a nice guy and you don't think with your your pocketbook and responsibly, right? You're an irresponsible landlord. Tom. Um so here's why. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna get it from like, let's call it twenty one hundred bucks to twenty-one thirty-one or whatever the number is. I can't I'm bad at math. Um now I'm looking at that going, okay, I know that's gonna make it harder on the person. Yes, my expenses have gone up, my property tax has gone up, and my strata fee has gone up by more than that, right? Okay. And I expect with inflation that my strata fee will continue to rise faster than it did before. So I'm going, okay, can I recover the 30 bucks, whatever? Cool, yeah. Not a big deal, not a life-changing number for me. But if I don't do it, it devalues my property because I can't be selling that property in 20 years from now when I have $2,100 a month and the rent should be much higher. But here's the best part. You are taking on, or sorry, the best part. Here's here's the part that I talk too much and and people are going to get the point. Um, I was doing research in the neighborhood and in my same complex, my same layout with the same amount of parking as me, not as nice of you because I'm park facing, there, parking lot facing. The current one for, for rent in there is $2,500 a month if mm. you wanted to move in today. So I'm going to take the gamble on the fact that if my tenant doesn't like the extra $30 a month, that they're really not going to like the extra $450 a month or whatever the freaking stupid $360 a month, whatever it is, right? And moving
0: expenses and the the, the deposit and all the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah,
1: correct. But we also are in a contractual agreement, which has to work for both parties. We have to get out of this mindset that landlords are big, bad people. Like it has to work for both parties or we're not going to have people coming back uh, into the investment property, which means we we have less uh, rentals out there, which sure brings house prices down, but doesn't help people that need to rent. And this particular lady who does not yet have her, uh, my tenant does not, I believe, have her PR. She might have her PR. I can't remember. No, okay. she didn't have her PR yet when I rented to her. So she can't buy here. Mm. She can't buy here. Right. So it's it's a really interesting uh, scenario you put yourself in, but you're in a contractual agreement and it has to benefit both people. And it can't just be a benefit for the tenant. It has to be a benefit for both people. So I'm sorry if you can't take the rental increase, please go ahead and move out. I will get three hundred dollars more per month.
0: And then I guess if if across the board, we just said, well, we can't increase rents or when they move out even between tenants, you can't increase rent and all that kind of talk. Well, then guess what? No rental inventory will be built. And then the problem will be worse in the future mm-hmm. like it already has been. And we've
1: seen this play out like we've seen it. It's, it's clear, but not clear, obviously, right? Who is worse off than the first time homebuyer trying to get it into the market that it's very, very expensive? Who's worse off than that person? A renter? Because they're uh, not necessarily interest. But the person who has no chance of ever getting out of the rent. They are more vulnerable. That's what
0: I meant. The rental the renter that's stuck.
1: Yeah. The person the renter that is stuck that can't do it, that who knows for what reason they're in what circumstances they don't have skills to get a higher paying job or whatever their situation is. That person is only going to suffer by not having more rentals come to the market and that's the problem and they've made it so uh that's the problem like I summed it up in one but they've made it so uh tough for rentals this is why we have the condo issue that we have they all these places a lot of them are being purpose-built rentals and then the developers like wait a minute uh rent control all this stuff I'm just going to sell these things off as apartments and let it be somebody else's problem. I'm going to take my profit. So then we end up with just, you know, single owned condos with crappy landlords all over the place, right? Not proper companies that know the residential tenancy act and, and know how to treat their tenants and take care of the buildings and take care of the units. We don't have that stuff anymore. Right. So we've just now gone to now, luckily I think I'm a pretty good landlord, but uh, who doesn't? Right. And Mm. you end up in a spot where you have a bunch of crappy landlords who try and circumvent and not tell their people that, hey, you're under rent control. And I see it all the time. Oh, yeah, I negotiated another three hundred dollars a month out of the tenant. I'm like, illegally you did. Right. So I don't know. I think we're in a worse spot because we don't have uh, big companies owning large rental buildings.
0: Yep. All right. Let's shift this here into predictions tom Predictions. all the things tom was wrong about okay now i put this video out in december 2021 so keep that in mind as you're judging me for how wrong i was okay (laughs) so let's go over each prediction now the first one is i said that in the city of toronto prices will raise nine percent year over year now i want to preface this when we talk about year-over-year price increases, it is not month-to-month like July to July. It is all the sales that happened in 2021 compared to all the sales that happened in 2022, and then they they sh- that that's like the historical graph. That's how it breaks it down, right? So I still believe that if you look at all the because we're 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 keeping in the prices that happened in March, April, May, June. Now again, this is me fudging the data to make my point. Um, <laughs>
1: But but that's what our real estate board does when they put them out. So I'm just following their their line. Don't we go December? Isn't year over year price though? just like January, January, December, December, or something. If
0: you want, that's year over year on the month over month. But if you if you go just average sale price per year, they take all the sales that calendar year and they give you um, a number. Like that's how our real estate board does it.
1: Interesting, right? I so that's ours, when I look at the, the numbers. I think I I think I don't know if. I would have to look at that, but I definitely focus on our, our real estate board does a really good job of month-to-month, year-over-year statistics.
0: Yeah, so does ours on the, on the monthlies, but then when it breaks it down to the yearly, it's just one singular number for that year, what the average sale price was. They can't nice. just pull it from December because there's not as many sales in December. That's not fair. They're averaging
1: out every property that sold that year. In an effort to try and look like I didn't totally screw up my predictions this year, Tom, I'm going to look at that number on my board and let okay. uh, you know how I did.
0: Anyways, I, I don't know. We're, we're just past halfway through the year now. Um, it'll be interesting. I still think if you take all the sales this year, yeah, we're going to be higher than last year. But uh, if you bought in February, you're going to be down a significant amount of money. Um, and I don't think anyone anticipated. Well, th- I'm not going to get in my ha- ahead of myself here for my next prediction, Um, We'll see on this one. Let's say a question mark for prediction number one.
1: My prediction, I remember this now, was uh, that prices would go up, they would peak, and then they would come back down. Um, But I did say, and this is where I look like a moron, um, I did say that prices December next year will still be higher than December last year. And we are only at that point right now. So we just hit the break even like we've currently lost in detached homes. Anyway, we've currently lost 2022 price increases.
0: All the gains from earlier this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So prices will not be higher than December last year. Uh, We are not doing as bad as some of the suburbs of Toronto that have lost like half of 2021 as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So so that's prediction number one. I said the average prices will go up 9%. Uh, We will see. We'll see when when the full year is wrapped up. Prediction number two, which I actually feel pretty good about. I said that 2022 was going to be the year of the condo. Now, I'm sticking to this one because, yes, have condo prices fallen? Absolutely. But they have fallen less than every other asset class. And on the investment side, they're great investments right now because the rental demand is crazy. And when you look at condos, because why do people buy condos in Toronto? It's not because we love condos. We don't love condos. We're not just obsessed with condos. We buy them because they are the most affordable asset to own real estate in a well-located area in our city. If you could go buy a house, you'd go buy a house. But houses are too expensive, so you buy a condo.
1: This episode of The Tom Story Show is brought to you by the YouTube for Real Estate video course. Are you interested in creating an engaging, value-driven YouTube channel to help educate your client base on real estate in your market, as well as introduce a new revenue stream to your business? Perhaps you've already created a YouTube channel, but are struggling to gain viewership and the subscribers you are looking for. The YouTube for Real Estate course will provide you with proven tips and strategies on how to create and cultivate an engaging YouTube channel, as well as how to optimize your channel, resulting in higher viewership subscribers and, yes, deals. But that's not it. I implemented YouTube in my business in early 2021, and it has easily been the best marketing source for meeting new clients that I have ever had in my business, period. Better than expensive geo-farming, internet marketing, and open houses combined. And now it even rivals my repeat and referral business. If you would like to learn all the tips and tricks for meeting new clients using YouTube, simply go to Video Course Login or click the link in the description below and sign up for the YouTube for Real Estate course today and learn a year's worth of my painstaking research of learning how to use YouTube for real estate in just a few hours by taking the YouTube for Real Estate course. So go to VideoCourseLogin.com right now and use the promo code TOMSHOW at check out. Again, that's video course login.com or simply use the link below.
0: So, even though it's not going to be like this amazing year for condos overall, it's like maybe just condos are going to have the least worst year. <laughs> is probably the way yeah. I should say it,
1: right? Yeah, they are um I mean, when I got into the business, you only got into a condo if you couldn't do better, but I mean, you were talking $220,000 condo purchase price. Uh, you could get a rancher, a little one-story place for like 380 at that time. So the jump was like 200 uh 300 for a townhouse, 400 for a detached, for a low-end detached home. Um, so that's why condos did so bad because the jump wasn't that bad at that mm-hmm. time. The gap's but big now. Now. That, now that the gap is so big and uh, everything is pushed, uh, people are just being pushed into whatever they can get into. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think I agree with you. The con- condos are the future of uh, any densification, if that's a word, yep. of any metropolitan area. Um, they are for sure the future. And I think we, maybe not so much you because you're younger than me, but I think I have lived through the transformation between or coming from detached homes to be okay with attached homes. Gotcha.
0: And now condos are the next step after that, right?
1: Um, well, when you say attached, you mean duplex in your market or semi-detached in my market? Anything with touching walls is attached here. So townhouse condo are technically the same thing here.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Number three. Okay. This is where I most look like an idiot. I said there would be three interest rate hikes in 2022.
1: Now, well, there's only been
0: there's only been four so far. I know so there's only bad, been right? four it, to be I think in my video too I didn't I didn't go out on a whim and say what they would be or what the key interest rate would get to. You did. I think I did. Okay. Well, we're we'll off to look back at yours and 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 see that. Anyways, I was wrong. There's going to probably be five minimum and the amount that the rates have gone up I think is surprising everybody, but I also believe on January 1st when everyone at the Bank of Canada woke up, they didn't think we would be here now. So I'm not giving myself an out on this. It's
1: just like, yeah. we didn't know inflation was going to be like this. There was all these variables and all these factors. Nobody thought it was going to be where it was because nobody saw the most biggest issue, which was uh, wheat comes from Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? And oil comes from Russia. Right, And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And, um, I mean, I didn't even know until the day before invasion, I was like, this isn't really going to happen, is it? And I think everybody thought that, uh, looking back on it, obviously we're all morons, right? There was something coming down the pike that we didn't see. And, uh, there's probably a really good chance that most countries don't line their military up on another country's border unless they have a purpose for doing so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that, that, uh, there's all these variables that are coming into play here. And, uh, yeah, interest rates are on the rise and they're definitely impacting the market currently not making things more affordable on a monthly basis. But I will say that long-term buying for a less price is always better. Even if your rates are higher at the moment, because, because they might not be as high in the future. If you bought at a high price with low rates that fluctuated or at the end of your term are going to double, I think that puts you in a worse position. Um, I think buying for less price is better.
1: Yeah, I think my prediction was, if I'm not mistaken, they were going to do a quarter point and then a half point and that was going to be it. I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be the case. I was furious when they didn't do it in January. They didn't do that first quarter point in yeah. January. Um, But think about how wrong this is, how wrong everyone was. Because there was an uh, economist, analyst, somebody from Scotiabank that said mm-hmm. it's going to increase eight times next year. Right, eight quarter point increases, eight two quarter percent. Point. We're gonna 8 eight quarter points, two percent, and that was guy. Everybody was like, everybody roasted that guy. No way that's gonna happen. This is craziness. It will never happen. He was wrong because it wasn't enough. It's even already more than that, and it's gonna it's be already more, more, than, more that. than that. Yeah, and there's more coming. Yeah, so even the craziest outlier bubble burster guy wasn't right enough.
0: he was wrong about being right. Um, yeah. All right. That was, that was the first three. Let's, I got five more left here. Um, and I'll tell you just heading into this. I think I was of the five coming up. I think I was right on three. There's one that I was totally wrong on. And then there's one that's like a a question mark or like, we'll see what happens. Um, My fourth prediction was there are going to be less sales in 2022 than there were in 2021. I'm feeling pretty damn good about that prediction because we knew last year was not normal. We knew in our real estate board selling 120,000 properties where our average the last few years has been 90 to 95,000 is not normal. So... You know, July numbers are a good indicator. Sales were down 50%. We'll see where we're going to end the year. Um, but I think our sales overall in the GTA are gonna be down thirty to thirty-five percent from the previous year at the lowest, if not more, by the end of this year. And interest rates obviously are gonna play a huge factor into that. I when I said sales were gonna be down, I don't think I anticipated that they were gonna be down as much as they maybe are. Um, but we also started the year really hot. So we had like four or five months of a huge transaction volume, but now it's completely fallen off. How are you feeling about sales in your market?
1: Uh, man, I don't know when they're going to start happening again. Cause they feel like <laughs> yeah. not not, honestly, it just feels like there's just no price that's low enough right now that anybody wants to jump in. So that's, that's the feeling. It's obviously not the reality, but when I look at the numbers, so when I log in every single day, uh, our numbers of how many sales happened for how many work days were in the month are are the first thing that pops up. So if Mm. there's four work days in the month, the sales pop up and we can compare it to last year and last month. It's not that far off of last month currently. Hmm. It's less. You're talking about July, right? Yeah. I I would hope August is actually better than July. Oh, I think it's going to be worse, but by the time it comes out, but, um, When I look at last year, obviously we're at like 35% of the sales we were at the same time last year because everything was going gangbusters last summer. Um, But what, there's another thing that's on there. So I think it was, I want to say the Fraser Valley had 175 sales, let's say in four days of the first working month in August. This is the last time I really paid attention to that number. And then I look down right below that, it shows our membership. Hmm. There are currently forty eight hundred plus agents in the Fraser Valley, and not doesn't sound like a big number. Um, it is when there's only one hundred and seventy five sales because that only puts you at what three hundred and fifty opportunities, right? But thirty percent of our sales are done by Vancouver Board, which I think has sixteen or seventeen thousand agents. So take them out. Mm. So it's like you know, let's say there's. Two hundred actual sales that have happened by Fraser Valley agents, uh, or sorry, ends by by Fraser Valley agents, and uh, there's 4,800 agents. So, if you did a sale in July as a real
0: estate agent in the Fraser Valley, you're in the top 10% of the market <laughs> because
1: you did one sale. I'd have to look at the numbers. I don't think we've got. I honestly don't think, as of recording this, that we have a uh, a firm one yet because we've had so many accepted offers and buyers are just buyers are just backing out, backing out, backing out. So it's okay, Tom. You don't have to mute. I can hear Rasta going off in the background. Yeah, he just didn't like the sales numbers, so he's barking at (laughs) them. He's a bubble burster commenting on my videos.
0: Exactly. All right. Next, next up in my predictions was rental prices. Another one I'm feeling actually pretty good about. You know what? This isn't actually going as bad as I was anticipating. Um, I said that rental prices would go up this year because they were so bad and stagnant in Toronto during the time of the pandemic and everything happening. And they were like really, really slow for a long time. The rental market was not good. It totally fell off a cliff. And it had started previously to the pandemic when we put in the Airbnb regulations in Toronto because all they, our market got flooded with one-year rentals that were short-term because now it had to be your principal residence. Um, I said that rental prices were going to go up. Uh, again, I was right, but I was wrong about it because I didn't think they would go up this much. We're up 20% year over year for rental prices. The average one-bedroom yeah. is over $2,200. The average two-bedroom is like just over $2,900 per month. So rental market is back in full force and... At the moment, I don't see signs of slowing down for this calendar year, but we'll see how it plays out. And I know this is pretty much a theme everywhere, right? Rentals are
1: kind of roaring along for you guys. We're like 20% increase. I'm just wondering at what point uh, rents get high enough that it looks enticing to investors because right now investors are out of the market, right? They're just they're just sitting. They're on the getting sidelines. close to
0: my market, by the way. I've had people reach out about certain properties if they could rent for a certain price, and they and they do. Really? Yep. Yeah. We made wow. an offer on one last week. Did, actually, we actually lost in multiples, weirdly enough, on a condo. Really? Yeah, on a condo that was a perfect investment property. We we're buying as an investment with a client, and uh, yeah, we got beat. Nuts. But you're seeing the same thing, right? Rental prices are just
1: roaring, skyrocketing. Along. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. I can't believe I can't believe where they're at. I can't believe uh what people can get for places.
0: All right, final three here. I said that there would not be a market crash in twenty twenty two. Now you can decide if I was right or wrong here. I think we have to classify what a crash means. Does a crash mean over thirty percent price drop and what's the period of time do we call the crash already this many months through the year. Do we wait till the end of the year? There's a lot of different aspects to that in certain markets. I think you could say, Oh, prices crashed. Uh, and then like, there was, there was a really good art or not actually it was a terrible article, but Jordan broke it down really good at pre-condo. And it was like a certain, it was King city expensive area outside Toronto. They said prices were down 50% year over year. It's they've crashed. But the, a year ago there was three times the amount of sales. And he looked at the lot size of all all the properties that sold and they're all larger properties. And then this year there was like no sales and the properties were smaller. So it's like, it's all made up. These numbers are not
1: average. That's the problem with average
0: price. It just, it's not helpful. So I still don't, the city of Toronto has not crashed. It has corrected 100%, but crash and correct are different terms. What do you think a crash is? What's a crash?
1: My last name. Um, what is, (laughs) (sighs) what is, uh, geez, man? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we're so in a crash right now. Mm. I honestly feel like that. I feel like, holy crap, I can't believe this guy is falling. Um, here's the weird part about it that the reason that can happen right now is because there are so many people that are totally okay because they paid 300 grand for their yeah. place. It was worth 1.8 for a month. Like just just December last year they were worth 1.4. So there was a a section of uh, of a month and a half where it was worth 1.8 and now they're like, "Oh, you tell me I paid 400 and I got to sell for 1.3." Okay. Yeah. Like that's what the market we're in. So the people are in tough that bought in February. They're going to be in tough because I don't think those prices are coming back for the next little bit. But to pretend like the market is totally in trouble because of a certain amount of people, I'm going to say 20,000 people in BC bought last year. I don't know. There's a lot more than 20,000 people. In, yeah. in BC. So are, are individuals are going to feel pain 100%. Um, and there's it's all because of interest rates and inflation. But is the overall market going to be a bad thing? I don't think so. I do wish we come back out of this as some sort of normalcy. And I hope it takes us five to 10 years or more to get back to those prices that we saw at the peak. I hope we don't just go into some craziness next two years, three years from now where we're back down to two and a half percent mortgages and everybody's like, okay, it's two and a half million dollars now. That's the problem though. Like you, you look at the graphs and the price trends
0: and we tend to go up and down and up and down and we can't just have a nice little chug along. Like we just can't. And I, I agree. Like I hope into next year is a balanced out market and we have time to make decisions and we can give people sound advice and not have to move very quickly on things. But if we, if we had like the same thing that happened last year, if we head into December and the inventory that's standing comes off the market and we start January and there's nothing available for sale, but people are used to the interest rates, demand will come back in some capacity. How much? I don't know. But it's, the market's going to pick up again. Like maybe I'm getting ahead of myself thinking it could even happen that early, but compared to now, it's going to be better than now, probably. And I'm not saying prices, but, but. People' interest, consumer confidence.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. It'll, I think it'll be better from now, in mean, six months from now, to be better than the now. But ah, man, I don't know. It's it feels amplified for sure. And um, this is the issue with increased interest rates. There is no, there is no sense of normalcy, right? It is just like high, low, high, low, high, low. I don't know. It's going it's going to be a slow rest of the year and I think people got to be okay with that and welcome uh real estate agents that have just got your license in the last 2 years. You're about to find out uh what real estate is all about.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh I also said that the suburbs will cool in price. Now, again, I feel good about the prediction, but what I should have said is the is the suburbs will crash in price. <laughs> Uh, so they have come down. I mean, it was clear you saw these markets seeing 10 years of potential growth in two years, and that was not going to happen forever. And most of the money going into those markets was coming from Toronto or Vancouver or other areas that were looking at these markets are going, oh, this is cheap. I'll buy this. And yep. we talked with Sydney about this when, in, in, when she was on the podcast, like you want the Toronto buyer, you want the Vancouver buyer, you want that idiot. That's going to come in and pay more for your house. Cause to you, it's an amazing price to them. It's a deal, right? Yeah. Idiot's yeah. a strong word. I shouldn't use that, but you get what I mean. Like that's the way they look at
1: it. You, uh, I mean, idiot needs to just be uninformed. Uh, okay. Buyer yeah. for that market, right? Yes. Like I, I listened to a podcast and the guy, uh, travels, right? He does a lot of travel. And he, when he goes to these like crazy rural places, he's like, I'll be, you know, I'll be going through the jungle and, you know, we'll end up at some little bar where, you know, the bar is just half of the guy's house and he just invites you in and you can buy a beer from him. And then you go into that uh, bar and you're like, the guy's like, okay, I need uh, uh, a beer as a buck. Right. Like whatever it's translated into, or or he went to sure. Thailand and it's in bot or whatever. And then he's like, okay, well, yeah, who cares? Like, here's a five. He's like, you just screwed that up for every other person coming into that area. Cause that guy now just got five bucks. Hmm. When I mean when it was really 25 cents, you're like, here's a buck. And he's like, Don't do that. You're screwing it up for everybody. Right? Because you for you it's nothing. But for the people that live there all the time, it's everything. And you're just helping make travel more expensive, right? You're screwing it up for the
0: locals as well and and the
1: next traveler. Yeah, and the next traveler. So you should be like, okay, that's fair or whatever. Or do the negotiation thing that they do in that country or whatever that is. So that has us, you know, that's again why I don't think everybody should have in the last six months moved to Calgary. So I've left my last
0: prediction being the biggest one that i was the most wrong about okay i said that the toronto maple leafs would win a round in the playoffs (laughs) like an idiot (laughs) and they got to game seven again and at this point it's like when they lose it's i'm not even like like hurting i'm just like no i know this feeling this is normal for me Mm -hmm. they've, they've given you hope had such a great year and then get put up against the team that makes a stand that won the cup the last two years and then makes the Stanley cup this year. It's not fair, but I was wrong. And I thought if I film myself talking about it, it would somehow go into the universe. And apparently I have, I have no secret powers at all. And it was just the same result that I'm used to. And all of us are used to. So that was my final one, which I was the most wrong on,
1: on everything. Cause I actually felt like
0: this is the year.
1: Nope. Nope. Yeah, man, that's how that's how uh, Vancouver does it, right? We do like the uh, the first round game seven overtime winner. Uh, Then we usually clean up in the next two rounds and it's really easy. But you guys get to the the next final. We get to the Stanley Cup final and then it's just like the it seems like the league is like, hey, yeah, yeah, we just forgot to tell you guys. You guys are never winning a cup and we're just going to start changing the rules in in the last game and blah, 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 blah. So we've made it to game seven in my lifetime now twice. And uh, after game seven was done, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this just might as well be written. So I I think you're going to be waiting for a long time for a a cup and a playoff victory. uh, A cup, a cup.
0: We're getting, I want to see what the second round feels like. A cup. (laughs) I'm not getting that far ahead of myself. I said they win
1: a round, not win the Stanley Cup. Here's a better prediction. When does the cup return to Canada? Figure to that Canada? Out. Okay. To Canada. You've got, what, nine teams? Pick one.
0: Uh, we have seven teams, but you're obviously an avid. Is that what we have? <laughs> <I> do <don't know. laughs> Hockey follower. Um, the cup returning to Canada, I think our two best bets right now uh, would be probably Edmonton and Toronto in terms of, like, the players they have. Calgary just had a full overhaul. We'll see. We'll see with them. I don't Winnipeg's on the cusp. I don't know. Montreal's in a rebuild. There's another team I'm forgetting. Vancouver. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Vancouver is <laughs> the team I was forgetting. We're, um, what, 30 years? 30 years without a cup in this, in this country?
0: It's you know, the way it's probably gonna play out is the way I don't want it to play out is Montreal's gonna randomly become <laughs> good again in three years. And Then they're gonna win the cup because of course they are and that's not fair. So probably that's what happens.
1: What's what's gonna happen is is Montreal or Ottawa, some Ottawa, I forgot. Make, Ottawa. They're yeah. gonna make it like seventh place and then they're gonna go on a run and win the cup, and then they're gonna be like,
0: oh, we got a cup again. It wouldn't surprise me. That's probably how it plays up. All right, let's let's wrap this episode up. That was fun. Um, we'll get into Steve's predictions more in depth than in another one. Thank you everybody for listening. If you uh, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're and you're still with us here. Really do appreciate oh, it. We it. forgot again. Well, we forgot again. Normally, I kick in in just about an hour. I, I went over the hour mark now to, to ask people. But yeah, if you like us, check us out on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Well, obviously, you've already checked us out, but please subscribe and leave us a rating if you enjoyed this episode and future episodes. And if you watch on YouTube, if you could like the channel and subscribe to that channel. And if you want to be notified each time a new video becomes available, hit that little notification bell and click all so that you will actually get a notification every time we post so you will never miss out steven a thousand final thoughts? A
1: thousand subscribers a thousand subscribers by the end of the year is the goal i think we'll get there i hope so
0: i think so it's uh it's been overwhelming the support so far we're really enjoying this and these these episodes just me and steve kind of shooting the shit are a lot of fun as well so i appreciate you guys hanging out with us and uh steven final thoughts you're going on a mini vacation
1: i'm going on a mini vacay bro um yeah i had a story lined up about my mini vacay but maybe i'll save it for when we get back
0: you say that vacation is when you're on your phone in another city right that's what vacation means
1: vacation for real estate agents when you're on your phone in another city i love it
0: all right thank you for listening or watching another episode of the tom story show bye
2: peace out